Amen. All right, cool. Uh, turning your Bibles with me, and while you're turning there, we're going to Revelation chapter 20. And uh, as you're turning there and making your way, just a couple of announcements that I want to bring to your attention and remind you of. We have a mission trip coming up in the spring of 2017. We're going down to South America to the country of Chile. We'll, we'll be working in the city of Concepcion as well as Arauco. We have a group that are very interested in going, and you may have interest as well. And so I want to encourage you to make contact with one of our mission team members. If any of the mission team members are here, will you just stand real quick? Just pop up wherever you are. There's a handful that are in the back at the mission table. Come on, you guys in the front. I know Joshua there. There he is. All right. And uh, Dan and Wesley are outside already getting things prepped. You can sit. Just come and find one of those guys. That's awesome. Uh, today's barbecue, is, it, it's completely provided. It's the idea there is fellowship. It's on a donation basis. And 100% of the donations go right to the mission trip. And so we just invite you to be super generous in that, in that regard. It would be awesome. Um, what else is happening? Today is the last Sunday of offering toward our Heart for the House campaign. We've had about 97, 5, $87,588,000 come in towards our $100,000 goal. And so we're shy of about $12,000. We have through the 30th that we're hoping that that comes in. Do we believe that that can come in? Yeah, we do. And if the Spirit of God prompts you, Maybe you've already given. If the Spirit of God prompts you, just we encourage you just to obey the Spirit of God. Does that make sense? If He's prompting you, just dive in and let's believe God together. It'd be great. It'd be so fun next Sunday to announce that we reached our hundred thousand dollar goal. All right, our paperwork is back at the county now, and uh, we're believing that things are moving forward at the right pace, and it's all in God's timing and it's all in God's hands. We're not pushing the envelope, so to speak. We're simply walking, and as soon as paperwork comes to us. We try and get our stuff done and get it right back into their hands so we can move forward. So that's happening. Uh, we have an outreach that begins next Saturday right here at Sunnyside Elementary School. Beginning next Saturday for children. So if you're a mama or a papa, next Saturday right here, 12 o'clock, things begin. There will be a lunch provided, a barbecue for the kids and the family members that want to come and be a part. It's called B-Town Kids. And it's just an opportunity for us to love on children within our community. Does that make sense? We're just going to simply be the hands and feet of Jesus, and we're going to love on people. There's not an overt, uh, there's not an overt gospel presentation. Are you with me? We're not going to preach the gospel from the platform. What we're going to encourage as people interact with our team and some of you that may be there, and they say, why do you do this? That will be your opportunity and our team members' opportunities to say, the reason I do this is because of what Jesus Christ has done in me. And it gives opportunity for one-on-one -on -one conversations about the person of Jesus Christ and about salvation. How many of us know that we can talk more about Jesus and our salvation with others, right? We need that. The church needs that. I went to the grocery store this morning. We're going to get to the sermon in a minute. I went to the grocery store this morning. I saw a guy, 71 years old, and he had two full carts of bread 
and he's trying to navigate these carts, and he, as he's pulling the cart behind him, he keeps hitting the back part of his Achilles. You know how, have you done that before when someone bumps into you with a shopping cart and it hurts real bad? He, I'm watching him navigate, and like his loads were falling off of his cart. He's stopping traffic's kind of coming, and he's in the way. And so I'm like, sir, sir, can I help you? And he's like, no, 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 I got this. I'm like, no, 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 you don't got this. Let me help you. And he's like, all right, I'll take the help. And so I got to push one of his carts right over to his van. And uh, he, I said, man, looks like a good ministry going on here. And he stops and he turns around. He looks at me and he goes, it's a great ministry. And I'm like, tell me about it. He says, I have a bread ministry. I live off of 172nd. I go to the evangelical church right on 172nd and Sunnyside Road. He starts to cry. He says, they want to buy our building, and the price is so good, we're selling our building. We don't even know where we're going yet, but we're just going to do it because God's in it. And then he says, my bread ministry is out of my house. I live down the street, across the street from Abundant Life. He says, if there's anybody here who needs just ministry with little goats, our goats just had baby goats, and you can come and be loved on by the goats. He says, but people come to our house on Saturday, and they can open our garage, and they can take whatever they need. He says, I stock the shelves. I'm like, bro, I absolutely love you. He's just being, he says, we need to tell him about Jesus more. 71 years old, and he says, you wouldn't know I was 71. But he was so excited about it. He's like, I just got to tell everybody about Jesus. It was so epic. That's contagious, right? That's us. We got to just tell people about Jesus. It's cool. So you be praying for our B-Town kids. And if you want to just come and help, we need to know ahead of time. So you can use that little communication card, that prayer card or praise card, and just say, hey, I want to be a part. Because if you want to be a part and help, we need to get some background check stuff working on you, and we'll get you in as quickly as we can. It would be amazing to have you there. Uh, we have a men's thing coming up on the 9th where we're helping Teen Challenge. We're building and actually raising up tw- 225 linear feet of cedar fencing, and uh, we're actually potentially going to be building some bunk beds. We have, I think, six additional churches. It was 10. A couple of those churches had to pull out because they had fireworks booths and a few other things. But nevertheless... We're just going to do everything we can to help them. Does that sound like a good job, men? All right, six of you. Thanks. Hey, it's our men's breakfast. It's going to be a great time. We want you to be a part, fellas. All right. I think that's all. Did I have anything else? Matt, I'm it. am I missing anything? Barbecue tonight for the youth. Yeah, at your house. Your new house. That's kind of cool. The youth are going to be over at Matt's new place, Matt and Mariah's. That's fun. All right. Well, I have, I have two sermons this morning. I said I have two sermons this morning. It started off as one sermon. And I realized I'd been praying all week. My wife asked me a question. Uh, I think it was, well, actually, I was uh, with my son Jonathan yesterday morning, and he was asking me about Sunday's message. And so I got kind of excited, and I started talking about the front end. And as I was talking, and we got to where we were going, it took us 30 minutes to get there. I realized I was still talking about point number one. (laughs) And I thought, you know, I don't think we're going to get very far in tomorrow's sermon. We're in Revelation 20, and we're, we're, we're coming to the end. In fact, 
really today, in today's text, there are some finalities that are the final final. And this is it. going to be open. Judgment is coming. Today's, the title of today's message is The Sentencing of Satan and Sinners. The Sentencing of Satan and Sinners. Now, don't let the word sinners confuse you because we're all sinners, right? So that's not an offensive term, that's a reality. But there is a distinction between saved sinners and unsaved sinners because of the work of Jesus Christ. Amen? Amen. I think what we're going to get to today is the simplicity of the sentencing of our adversary, the devil, Satan himself. We'll read the entire text, verse 7 through 15. I'll give a little recap, and then we'll dive in to that portion. Uh, Let's read together. Now when the thousand years have expired, Satan will be released from his prison and will go out to deceive the nations which are in the four corners of the earth, Gog and Magog, to gather them together to the to battle, whose number is as the sand of the sea. They went up on the breadth of the earth and surrounded the camp of the saints and the beloved city. And fire came down from God out of heaven and devoured them. The devil who deceived them was cast into the lake of fire and brimstone, where the beast and the false prophet are. And they will be tormented day and night forever and ever. Then I saw a great white throne and him who sat on it, from whose face the earth and the heaven fled away, and there was found no place for them. And I saw the dead, small and great, standing before God, and books were opened. And another book was opened, which is the book of life. And the dead were judged according to their works by the things which were written in the books. The sea gave up the dead who were in it. Death and Hades delivered up the dead who were in them. And they were judged, each one according to his works. Then death and Hades were cast into the lake of fire. This is the second death. And anyone not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. Let me read that last verse one more time. And anyone not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. Father, in the next few moments as we look into the perfect law of liberty, the word of God, I pray, God, that, Lord, not only would we become more aware with this supernatural military intelligence into the supernatural realm, into the realm of our adversary, into his encampment, so to speak. Lord, but also with the recognition of our responsibility 
for those who do not know the truth at this point. We ask your blessing in Jesus' name. And everyone said a strong amen. Amen. So the sentencing of Satan. I have five points associated with this section of the sermon. The first is Satan's release from his cell. Satan has been bound at this point. It is a future event. We know that Satan presently, he is the prince of the power of the air. The Bible tells us that he roams around like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. Jesus tells us himself, he has come only to steal, to kill, and to destroy. We are told throughout the epistles that we are not to be unwise to his schemes, to the wiles of the devil, that we are to stand against the wiles of the devil, to be not unawares of his craftiness and his scheming. He is a formidable foe. But at this time, and it is a future time, he will be bound. Remember last week we saw the binding of Satan for a thousand years, the millennial reign of Christ. Remember, one angel, one angel came. He had a chain in his hand. So one angel with one hand seized the serpent, the dragon of old, Lucifer, Satan, the devil, bound him and cast him into the abyss. He was imprisoned, and his influence was held for 1,000 years. He's going to be released from his cell. At the releasing of his cell, the text tells us what he is going to do. He is going to go out in very short order and deceive the nations. Deceive to the four corners of the earth, Gog and Magog. He is going to bring about deception. It's noteworthy that the scripture tells us that the millennial kingdom of God has come to an end. The millennial reign of Christ has come to its end. And at the conclusion, Satan will be released. And he will be released to go about his business. Now, I think it's encouraging for you and I to recognize, number one, just a little side note in relationship to this first point. Number one, there are more with us than are against us. And the power of those that are with us is far superior to the power of our foe. That is good news. It is your responsibility and my responsibility to exercise the authority that has been delegated to us 
and it is our responsibility to walk in the endowment of power that has been bestowed upon us. The Scripture says you will receive power after that the Spirit of God has come upon us, upon you. You will be witnesses unto Christ in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and unto the ends of the earth. You will be witnesses for Jesus. Listen, the deception that comes from the enemy, one form of deception, is to not be a witness for Christ, but to be a witness for self. To work on our reputation as opposed to his reputation. Does that make sense? God, help us not to cave in to the deceptive work of Satan. That we would be distracted by self rather than being a witness for Christ. So, Satan's released from his cell. It is an eminent reality. And there are those that will be on the face of the earth. There will be you and I in our resurrected bodies. We will be part of that ruling class. We will rule with Christ. And it will be a rule with a rod of iron. People who make it through the tribulation, who did not receive the mark of the beast, they make it through the tribulation. They will be in a forced 1,000 years of righteousness and righteous living. People will live different. Remember, we talked a little bit about that last week. The millennial reign will be a different age than we are currently living in, and it is a different age than any of the dispensation of mankind and time as we understand it. It's not a time that we've lived in thus far. It will be similar the days prior to the Noahic flood. We looked, we looked at that last week. People will live longer. I know that sounds outlandish. You can read in Isaiah chapter 65. Isaiah chapter 11 even refers to it. The scripture tells us that a man will be considered an infant if he dies at 100 years of age. During those days, lions will eat straw. The wolf and the lamb will lay together. We don't see that today. If a lamb came into the vicinity of a wolf, that's like fast food. <laughs> the days are coming. The second thought as we look at the sentencing and the imminent sentencing of Satan. Satan's racket from his character will be on display. His racket, that's his business. Satan's business, this is what he is going to be about again. And I reference again because it's something that we've seen and actually see today. Satan the deceiver. And I use er, E-R-R, because it's an error. He errs in this, but he is the deceiver. He will deceive again. Again denotes that he has been about deception already. He is the deceiver. And his deception has been going on from the very beginning. In the Garden of Eden, when he tempted Eve, he used deception. He questioned the Word of God. Then he misquotes the Word of God. Eve adds to the Word of God. And 
falls into deception. Adam just bit hook, line, and sinker in full knowledge and ate the fruit. Deceiver. Satan the rebeller. He's a rebel. He's a rebel with a cause. His cause is to derail you and I. His cause is to seemingly rob any potential worship from the Father and take the worship for himself. His rebellion, in fact, Revelation reminds us, began, and in his rebellion in the heavenly realms, he took with him in his deception one-third of the angels or one-third of the stars of heaven. A deceiver. Think in your own life about the deception that you have given into already up to this point in life. Now, thanks be to God for the revelation of Jesus Christ. Amen? I mean, he's opened our eyes. He's helped us. Like the Apostle Paul, scales falling from our eyes and all of a sudden awareness. Wow. I can look back in my own life and I'm very aware of the deception that I was involved in prior to knowing Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. But you recognize and I recognize also that when I accepted Christ as Lord and Savior, it was not instantaneous that the deception was gone. Anybody since you believed been deceived? Right? It happens. God help us to have our eyes open. Listen, I can encourage you. If we keep our eyes fixed upon Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, the probability of deception goes greatly, it will be greatly diminished. Does that make sense? Greatly diminished. Keeping our eyes fixed upon Jesus. Jesus. The Bible says, in the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, the Word was God. Verse 14 reminds us, and the Word became flesh, and we dwell, and we, we beheld the only begotten of the Father. That's Jesus. If we keep our eyes on Jesus, if we keep our nose in the Word of God, if we saturate ourselves in the Scripture, if we dig. One of our young men, Levi, asked me yesterday at a wedding, and by the way, uh, we, we married one of our interns yesterday. It was a great wedding service, Dan and Mackenzie Sherrill were married yesterday, so we're, yeah, it was a great celebration. Uh, Dan and Eugene, Oregon, it was a great crowd, and there was testimony of Jesus. It was just awesome, just awesome. Super excited about that. Um, that made me lose my place. Deceiver, rebeller. Thank you. <laughs> That's where I was. <laughs> Got so excited about that wedding. So Levi asked that question. He says, hey, I love the New Testament. And I love studying the New Testament. And he does. And our young men are studying the Word of God. It's so, so exciting. He says, uh, I'm a little challenged by the Old Testament. So what's like one nugget of why you love the Old Testament? 
Old Testament? I'm like, that's a great question. That's a great question. And I said, here's the thing. I, I didn't actually give you the chapter and verse, but Psalm 40, I believe it's first verse 8, tells us that the volume of the book is written of me. The volume of the book is written of me. That's, that's the Lord Jesus Christ. The volume of the book is of me. So my passion is to find Jesus in the pages of the Old Testament. I believe that the fingerprint of Christ is there. The typology of Christ is there. The Christophanies, Christ visiting with mankind prior to his incarnation. Some amazing things contained. And we find Jesus. Somebody said, I think it was Chuck Missler up in Idaho who said it this way. The Old Testament, excuse me, the New Testament is in the Old Testament concealed. The Old Testament is in the New Testament revealed. Two books together that make up the total of the Testament of the Lord. And so, the Old Testament. Good stuff. So, Satan the deceiver, Satan the rebeller. And believe me, his rebellion, again, has been from the beginning, and that's what he is about. Satan the gatherer. Er. Think about this for a moment. In your life and in my life, have you heard, let me say it this way, have you heard the statement, you know, bad things seem to happen in dreams? Have you heard that before? It's like it seems like all of a sudden there's just this entourage. Well, I'm not going to validate that statement. But what I will say is that the enemy of our souls seems to be a gatherer against. A gatherer against. Listen, the Bible tells us when a demon is cast out, it goes through arid places. Seeking habitation. And when it finds none, it will return to its house. If it finds its house empty and not occupado, it will return with seven more demons more wicked than itself. Gather earth against. Does that make sense? It's a working of numbers, so to speak. And we see here that he's gathering the nations against the kingdom of God. He gathered a third of the stars of heaven to follow him in his rebellion. He's a gatherer against. Here's an interesting reality. If you look in the Old Testament, you see the story of the Tower of Babel. What happened? The people all gathered together under the rulership of Nimrod. Nimrod... Bible says his name, that's just the definition of his name, tells us that he is a hunter of souls against the Lord. He gathered men away from God to look at him as supreme being and just against the Lord. The inciting work of Satan himself. He is the prince of the power of the air. He had the kingdoms of this world, and he used the man Nimrod to gather against him. God brought a stop to the work that was happening there. Fourthly is he's a surrounder 
heard. So he's a deceiver, he's a rebeller, he's a gatherer against, and he's a surrounder. He surrounds the encampment. And here's the thing. Have you noticed that the enemy is relentless in your life, number one? He's relentless. And he'll attack from all sides. He'll attack from all sides. He is, he is an equal opportunity deceiver. He's an equal opportunity rebeller. He's an equal opportunity gatherer. He's an equal opportunity surrounder. He doesn't care. He doesn't care about you or me. He will surround you and he will fight you on every front. Every front. Sometimes we think that a circle is just 360 degrees. I got news for you. It's not a circle. It's a sphere. And he will come from any angle and every angle. Now, we had a general in the United States Army whose last name was Abram. My wife pointed this out in a devotion that she wrote about nine years ago, eight or nine years ago. She quoted Abram. Now, you might know the name Abrams from the, uh, what's the tank, the A1 Abrams tank, I think. It travels at about 50 miles an hour. And uh, there was a battle, a tank battle back in the first Gulf War that when our tanks came up over the hill, there were a whole bunch of the enemy tanks in Afghanistan. They didn't even get bullets loaded into their tanks, and they were completely destroyed within a minute and 37 seconds or something. I mean, it's just ridiculous. Our tank, they were just, they moved, and they were moving. That tank is named after this guy, and he was completely surrounded, and he grabbed, he grabbed his men, and he said, fellas, for the very first time in this battle, we are completely surrounded by our enemy. And for the very first time in this battle, at any direction we shoot, we'll be shooting at our enemy. <laughs> and I thought, how important for us to recognize that we're in a battle in every direction that we point the weapons of our warfare, we will be fighting against the schemes of the enemy coming against us. It's important for us to recognize that. I think this pulls that out. Okay, well, let's move to the next point. So those are some of those tactics. It's moving from his character. These are the things of Satan's character. This is how he operates. Satan's rebellion from heaven is consumed. Hallelujah. Satan's rebellion from heaven is consumed. Fire from heaven rains down. Now, it is downward, and it transcends worlds. Fire from heaven consumes Satan and this rebellion of people. It's absolutely mind-boggling to me that for a thousand years, people will be under the physical reign of God the Son, Jesus Christ, from Jerusalem. And Satan's released, and in a very short order, the whole world is against Christ again. That absolutely warps my mind. But that's what he does. And so, God, from heaven, rains down fire and consumes him. Whoosh. Now, we've seen fire rain down from heaven in the word of God before. And when the fire comes down from heaven, it consumes. It consumes in totality. You remember Elijah and the prophets of Baal on Mount Carmel. It was a contest. 
be God. If it's Baal, Baal, then let it be Baal. If it's Yahweh, let it be Yahweh. So the contest, the 450 prophets of Baal, the one prophet of Yahweh. He says, fellas, have at it. The contest was set. They made their altar, they butchered their oxen, and they did their dancing, they did their praying, they did their crying out. Elijah was over here saying, you better cry a little louder, maybe your God's on vacation. Inciting a little bit of work on their part. Well, maybe he's sleepy, he must be tired. <laughs> you should call a little louder. Maybe you need to help him set his alarm clock. Nothing's happening. They start cutting their bodies. Oh, Baal, come and be. Elijah, the prophet's turn. And he builds an altar. He gets wood for the fire. He butchers an oxen. He digs a trench around the whole thing. He gets it filled with water once, twice, and three times. It's saturated with a well of water around it. And he prays 33 words. And the heavens opened up and fire rained down from heaven. It consumed the offering. It consumed the wood. It consumed the stones that the altar was made of. And it consumed the water. Lapped up every last drop of water. I think it sucked the water right out of the water table that had been saturated into the ground. Consumed it all. Let God be God. His fire the Bible tells us he is, our God is a consuming fire. Sodom and Gomorrah. God rained down fire and brimstone and consumed the cities and the surrounding cities because of their immorality, their sexual immorality, to be very specific, their corruption. And God intended that it would be completely destroyed, raining down fire. And he will rain down fire, and they will be gone. No more. I can tell you. From God. It's not his first rodeo. And it's a fire for the valley. He really does defy the laws that govern our universe. Do you know that the first law of thermodynamics says matter is neither being created nor destroyed? Hey, when God consumes matter and it's gone and no more in this realm, he defies the natural law that he set up to govern this universe. That's called a miracle. It's called a miracle. God steps in and does a miracle. And there's a miracle that will be taking place in the near future. Okay. Fourthly, Satan's ruin for his condemnation. This is Satan's sentence. And he will be cast into the lake of fire and brimstone. He's cast into the lake of fire and brimstone. It is the finality of the finality of his judgment. Once he is there, it will be his eternal prison. His eternal condition. It is interesting to note that the Word of God tells us that the people that are also facing that same fate will look upon Satan and say, Is this the one who deceived the nations? 
in dismay. How could we not then believe Jesus in reality, in comparison to God? He's cast into the lake of fire and brimstone. The lake of fire and brimstone is a place that was prepared for him. The Bible tells us that it was prepared for him and his angels. God's intent is that none should perish, but that all should come to repentance and be born again and have eternity with God. People ask the question all the time, oh, you're a minister? Oh, you're a pastor? Oh, you're a Bible teacher? Oh, you are a faith guy? Because a loving God is so loving that why would he send people to hell? In all reality, that is a good question, right? I mean, I, I probably had that question. You might have had that question. That's a good question. I mean, we're on this side, and we kind of understand that, well, God doesn't send anybody there. People choose to go there by not choosing God. But people in the world don't see things the same way we do. So if you're asked that question, be careful not to just go, hmm, here we go again. Just say, you know what, that's a, that's a very good question. That's a very good question. I, I, I even sometimes will put it in their hands. Well, what do you think? What do you think? Because here's the thing. If you'll listen to their answer, and, and like listen, don't try and interrupt them, but if you'll listen to their answer, they'll listen to your answer. And if you show show them from the scriptures, yours will carry more weight than theirs. Does that make sense? Then you might win someone with the truth. Praise the Lord. So, a place prepared for him. Let me give you some theology because the scripture tells us in that last verse, Verse 15, uh, no, let's see. Uh, excuse me, I'm sorry, verse 10. It says, at the very end, and they will be tormented day and night forever and ever. Here's a theology about the lake of fire. It's word borrowed from the Hebrew language. Gehenna. Gehenna. It's the final death. It's the resting place for eternity for Satan, the fallen angels, and all whose names were not found written in the book of life. Now, hell is a temporary place. Everybody understand that? Hell is temporary. And hell is occupied right now with those who have died away from faith in Jesus Christ, those who have died prior to Christ away from faith in expectation of a future Messiah. Just full. I mean, it's full and filling. It will be resurrected, and we'll look at this next week in its totality, but it will, it will give up their dead, they will be judged, and they will be cast into the lake of fire and brimstone that was prepared for the devil and his angels. 
by their rejection of God's provision for salvation, they will choose to spend eternity separated from God in a place of eternal punishment. The, the Gospel of Mark tells us where the flame is never quenched and where the worm never dies. The flame is never quenched and the worm never dies. That's right now because they have rejected the provision that Jesus Christ and God the Father has provided through Jesus Christ. They have rejected and their destiny is there. That's scary. You also know people who are there and headed that direction. God help us to be a church, the body of Christ, the church. Put us at the border of hell to rescue sinners that are traveling headlong. Some of them are moving at the speed. They're like 60 miles an hour, gunning it, pedal to the metal, full-fledged driving into hell, and we got to go pile driving and try and stop them. And we're going to get run over. We're going to get bumps and bruises along the way. But, folks, it'll be worth it, right? It'll be worth it. We need to, we need to do our part. Well, we'll get to that part next week. It is eternal. There is a theology that is going out there about Diana or the lake of fire and brimstone that it is simply annihilation. And they have some scriptural quote-unquote support. I think it's taking things out of context. I believe that in proper context we recognize that the Word of God teaches that the lake of fire and brimstone is eternal. You and I, we were born, we, the Bible tells us that we were conceived. We were conceived in sin. Conceived in sin. At, at conception, there's birth. That tells us there's birth. I mean, there's life at birth. We were born eternal beings soul, and spirit. Everyone has eternity to look forward to. Only those that are born again have eternal life. Those whose names are not found in the book of life will have eternal death. But it's eternal. God help. So, it's eternal. So we've had Satan's released from his cell. Satan's racket that comes from his character. He does the same stuff. Satan's rebellion from heaven being consumed by God. Satan's ruin for his condemnation. It is final. His sentencing, he's cast into the lake of fire. And here's the interesting part. Here's a little piece just on the eternality. Did you catch that the scripture says he's cast into the lake of fire and brimstone where the false prophet and false spirit, if you will, or the Antichrist and the false prophet are, are. They were cast there before the millennial reign of Christ, and they're still facing torment at that point. It's present tense. Does that make sense? They weren't consumed and annihilated. Does that make sense? There's that simplicity of the theology, right? And so, the last point, 
And I think this is the most crucial for us. The saint's revelation from his chicanery. I like that word, chicanery. It's his schemeful behavior, if you will. What can we glean from this? What can we learn from the patterns of our enemies? Remember, we're not unwise to his schemes. So then, we see some tactics of the enemy that can help us today. That can help us today. Paul the Apostle, writing to the church in Ephesus, reminds them to stand firm, to be fully armed with the armor of God, to stand against the wiles of the devil. Well, we know we need to be fully armed to put on the helmet of salvation, to put on the breastplate of righteousness, to have the belt of truth, to have our feet fitted with the readiness of the gospel, to have the shield of faith with which we will be able to extinguish all, say that with me, all all of the fiery darts of the evil one, and to wield the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. We know the equipment that God has provided for us. It's our responsibility to put that equipment on. Here's just some battle arraignment things that we can be advised about. So his schemes were not unwise to. His strategies, they're similar. We see a similarity. He's a liar, something he's been doing from the beginning. When he speaks, he speaks his native language. That's what the Word of God tells us. When he speaks, he speaks his native language. He's a liar, and he's been lying from the beginning. So when he speaks, he lies. Period. End of story. Here's a good way of determining whether something in front of you is from the enemy or from the Lord. If it promises immediate gratification, and it's something that's not right, it's probably from the enemy. That's a, that's a good general rule of thumb. Now, if you open up the freezer and you see a mint chip ice cream sandwich, and it's promising you immediate gratification, that's probably not from the enemy. That's probably something you're supposed to deliver to my house. What I'm talking about is when temptation comes your way, and it seems like the right thing to do because it will provide immediate satisfaction. You can almost be guaranteed that's from the enemy. Because to do the things the way the Lord would have us to do them, there's work pays dividends down the road. It calls for a discipline of life. Does that make sense? I'm going to make a million dollars today. It's probably a get-rich-quick scheme, and you're probably entering into a scam. But uh, the scripture says if you put a little money away on a regular and consistent basis, you will amass great wealth. Does that make sense? The dividend comes down road. I'm going to resist the enemy, resist the enemy, resist the enemy, resist the enemy, and I find freedom down here. That's good. Amen? Amen. So reward down there? Guaranteed. So he's a liar. He's an antagonist. He will oppose you, accuse you, use you, use you against you, and incite rebellion in you. If you find yourself resisting the things of the Lord, you might wonder where that rebellion's coming from. Someone's inciting you against you. Does that make sense? You read the scripture. And if you begin to categorize things in your life and say, well, that doesn't apply to me. <laughs> That's a lie. That's a lie. If you come to church and the spirit of God starts stirring in you and points something out and you're like, uh, who's the one?
someone's giving you the encouragement to go, eh, that doesn't matter. That's the enemy, right? I mean, everybody, you, you see that? I mean, it's, it seems so simple when we talk about it like this, right? But every one of us faces the reality when it's just us, right? So it calls for us to be awake, alert. That's what the Word of God says. Be alert, be sober-minded, be quick in season and out. I was a football player. I know what it's like to be in season. In season, I'm eating right, pumping iron, doing everything, at practice, on time, early, making sure I'm getting my wrist wrapped, getting my knees doing whatever, you know, blah, 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 blah. I mean, it's practice. Let's go. Right? Everyday drills, Josh. Everyday drills. That first step. Everything is important. Everything is important. Everything is important. I mean, boom, boom, boom. You're just quick in season. Off season, I'll have another lint chip ice cream sandwich, please. <laughs> we just get distracted. But the scripture says, be quick in season and out of season. Some of us are like, I need a time out. There are no timeouts in the kingdom of God. There are no timeouts on the battlefield. Can you imagine in a foxhole? Oh, dude, it's like break time. Time out. We got break. We're going to go get some coffee. We'll, we'll be back in about an hour. That's, I mean, it's not happening. Your enemy does not respect your time and my time. He's an antagonist. He's the rallyer. We already saw that. He rallies against. And here's the thing. He'll use anybody. He'll use those that are closest to you. Amy, right? I mean, husbands and wives. Any, any husbands and wives here ever get like a little something in between the two of you? Yeah. Just maybe once or twice. He'll use those that are closest to us, and he'll make something seem massive. Like, are you serious? And I mean, it could just be the simplicity of, I didn't hear what you said. Yes, you did. No, I really did. Yes, you did. And now it's, he said, she said. And everything is distraction. And that's not even the real issue. I'm not actually trying to apologize to my wife right now. Somebody will take that. <laughs> That's funny. I, I won't do that. Hey, listen, if we're a mess and we're having communication stuff, we'll deal with it. We talk. We talk. Because we recognize the enemy wants to deteriorate. And he'll use anyone. He'll use your enemy. He'll use your adversary. He'll use your advocate. Every wise has been said. And he'll encircle you. He'll come at you from every angle. So, under the saints' revelation from his chicanery, his schemes were not unwise. His strategies, they're, fami they're familiar to us. We see them again in this portion of Scripture. In a very small piece of Scripture, we see some of his schemes so that we can be less unwise, if you will, more wise. And what we need is heaven's strength. Heaven's strength. Did it, did it go up there? Heaven's strength. We need God's fire. 
We need the fire of God working in our hearts and in our lives. Does that make sense? Does that make sense? Jesus said, and the Word of God reminds us, that it's the Spirit of God who baptizes us with fire. We need the power and the fire of God in our lives to overcome the craziness of this world. If you're here this morning and you would simply say, by way of affirmation, I want more of the fire of God in my life. I'm going to put you all on the. I'm going to put you all in this category. Could you just nod with me? You need more of the fire of God in your life. Just nod. Yeah, I want more of the fire. Maybe you don't need the more because you feel like, man, I'm overflowing right now. But you'd say, I'll take more. Just mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So, in a way of affirmation, let's all stand and we're going to pray a simple prayer. And I did I go long this morning? Because I got my second sermon that I'm ready to go on. <laughs> no, it's time to have some fellowship and food. So we're going to pray. And we're going to ask God to fill us fresh. To fill us fresh with the fire from heaven. That we might walk in victory in Jesus. Walk in victory. We used to sing that song, walking in faith and victory. Come on, walking in faith and victory for the Lord our God is with me. Be bold, be strong, for the Lord our God is with me. I mean, that's good. We need that. They clapped because I was singing and it sounded okay. (laughs) That's all right. (laughs) Will you take the hand of the person next to you? We're just going to kind of lay hands on one another by grasping the hand of the person next to us. And let's pray and let's believe God right now for that fresh infilling of His Holy Spirit. Lord, we pray like in Acts chapter 4 for boldness. We pray, God, for an absolute outpouring of your Spirit and an infilling of your Spirit in our lives, that we would empty ourselves of ourselves. We just make confession of all the junk and the stuff that gets in the way in our lives. And, Lord, we want to, like, dump the glass out, dump these earthen vessels out of us stuff, self stuff, and tip the earthen vessel back up. And be empty that we might receive a fresh infilling of your Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, come. Fill these earthen vessels of good measure. Press down, shaken together, and running over. Lord, we, we, we ask forgiveness. Lord, we give forgiveness. Lord, if there's been any unforgiveness in our lives, Lord, we give forgiveness. And we just we say, no more, God. We just want nothing to hinder that infilling and that fresh and filling to him who forgives is forgiven, God. If we give, it will be given to us a good measure, pressed down, shaken together and running over. And so we simply say, yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Say that with me. Yes, Lord. Fill us fresh, God. Fill us fresh with your spirit. Fill us with that undoing of power and that we would have the fire of God kindled in us, kindled in us, O God, and that you would fan into flames that we might walk in victory, walking in faith and victory, for the Lord our God is with us. Hallelujah. And so, Lord, while we wait, your word says, and the God of peace will soon crush Satan underneath our feet. Lord, 
May we walk in that victory today. We ask it in Jesus' name. And everyone said a strong amen. Amen. Hey, now listen, now listen. We're going to be dismissed, but I pray that you don't leave. Don't go home. Don't, man, I know that probably fun. Some of you probably have some plans, but you can make your way outside here. There's a buffet line. Grab some food, hang out, find a place to sit. If the tables get filled out up there, come back in here, sit around here. There's trash cans to discard your stuff when you're all done. Hang out and visit with some folks. Maybe you'll meet someone that you have not visited with before. Step out of your comfort zone. Invite someone to sit at your table. Ask questions. Say, hey, tell me about your life. God bless us. God bless the food. And may we have a great time of fellowship. The Lord bless your week. Come back at 6 o'clock tonight. God bless.